If you're a subscriber of my email newsletter, you would have seen a note from me mentioning that, yes, I will prep your product for free. And I've gotten a bunch of questions about that. And they're like, wait, wait, what do you mean you'll prep it for free? So here's the deal. You know, Andy Slammons and Amazing Freedom, they're a sponsor of my show. And their course is launching, and it's only open for a week or two, just about that. And Andy pays me. I mean, that's quite frankly, if you sign up for his course, he pays me. We all know that. I've been very clear about that. Um, And to entice you to come through me, which doesn't cost anything additional, um, we have offered, uh, my wife, my son, and I will prep your first private label product that you uh, develop through his course. Now, his course um, is phenomenal. I'm in there, so you'll get to see me. You'll get to consult with me, and we can talk about you know what the prep is going to require. You'll send it to our warehouse at our location. We do have a loading dock, so that's going to save you some fees. Uh, you don't have to get a lift gate or any of those things. Your first order, up to 1,000 units, I am going to qualify and say you got to do it within six months because I want you to take action. But here's the deal. Um, No fees, uh, whatever, you know, labels, bags, whatever, that's your responsibility. But outside of that, we'll actually do the work for you. We'll do a cursory inspection for you, and we will absolutely ensure that um, your product gets there the best way it can. And, uh, you know, I'm excited about that because I want you to focus on developing a product and then launching it. That's where the hard work is. And that's where Leron's going to help you the most is launching a product. Don't worry about packing it up and getting it in there. We can help you with that. And again, I'm going to do the first thing for free. Uh, how do I make money at it? Well, Andy pays me. So I just want to be clear about that and offer that to you. The only way you're going to get that, we are not a prep center. The only way you're going to get that is if you join through my link and it's on this episode. It'll be on the next couple episodes, but it's amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum. Um, then it's a hyphen and the word join. I'll have the link there, but it's amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum with a hyphen join. And if you put that in there, you click on that link, um, all behind the scenes, the wizardry, um, we'll get notified. And then to send me a note saying, hey, I signed up through your link and I want to work with you and your family, Steve, for the most success. Everybody knows that Andy and I have a warehouse, um, 12,000 square foot warehouse. So it's kind of a connected deal anyway, but I'm going to do the work myself or my wife and my son. We're going to do the work for you to get you started off to a phenomenal 2018. It's only going to last for, you know, this this opening. I'm not going to continue it. Um, and if you have questions, send me a note. Um, you got to do it, though. you got to take action. And this is a chance, 2018, to take the money that you made from Q4 and develop a real business, a real brand. We've all seen those businesses getting sold. Go out and check some of the sites that are selling businesses. They're multiples because they've created brands. They're selling them at multiples. Uh, pretty phenomenal. And so, again, the only way you're going to get that is if you come through my link. There's no extra charge. I'm the only one offering it. It's amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum hyphen join. I want to take a chance and thank my other sponsors today too, Seller Labs with Scope. Scope is a phenomenal product. Man, we just got done talking about launching a private label product. Well, here's the deal. In order to launch it, you need to know the keywords that will work. Um, Scope has a phenomenal tool where you can find the number one, number two um, competitors of the products that you're launching and find what their keywords are. That's the beauty of it. Then you use those. There's no sense in reinventing the wheel. You use them because they're already proven. That's the proof of concept you're looking for. So it's a phenomenal tool. So you go to sellerlabs.com forward slash scope. Use the code MOMENTUM. 
momentum and you're going to save 50 bucks and you're going to get some free keywords okay so that's what you want to do so take that take that course from Andy and now all of a sudden use scope right use that those keywords to help launch that product because that's where the hard work is and then again we'll prep it for you and I also don't want to miss you know Karen from solutions for e-commerce um, phenomenal I just saw somebody else posting um, it was John Lawson or somebody else posting um, a recommendation for her because it's a phenomenal service we've used it we've used it for now a couple of years and again we pay the same price she does pay me again we all know that she's a sponsor of the show but I wouldn't be recommending her if I didn't use the services and it's been a phenomenal service so if you go to solutions for e-com the number four e-commerce dot com forward slash momentum you're going to save fifty dollars a month yep fifty dollars per month no extra cost and she's going to do that inventory health report for you we use her for phenomenal so back to this private label you're going to launch a new product well you need to get your listings created well that's what karen specializes in so she'll help you get those listings created you got variations even better and what's very cool is she's now into shopify she can help you with e um, ebay you know launching it out on ebay i mean it's just really been a phenomenal service for us so again you go to solutions for ecommerce.com forward slash momentum save the fifty dollars get that inventory health report start out 2018 with all three sponsors you know andy slamman's course um, get in there and get started with a private label product use uh, seller labs to help you launch that product right with those keywords using scope and then have karen manage your account um, it's a phenomenal set of tools you're going to see me in all those groups because we use all those services let's get into the podcast Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 268, Barry Mark or Barry Treebeard as we know him. So this is the second of a two-part series. When we last left Barry, I describe it. He was in the corner sucking his thumb. Now, that's a over-exaggeration. But he just had his business life completely collapse around him. And, you know, some of it he will own up to and said, yeah, he could have made some different decisions. But then again, the world happened around him and he wasn't ready for it. He wasn't paying attention. You know, that's not a criticism. How many of us are not paying attention? When things are going well, especially... Um, most of us look the other way because we can overlook things because we're so busy. And uh, Barry's here to tell you that's not a good idea, but there are some great lessons that he teaches. You really want to pay attention to them because I think they're so relevant today. And um, I just I see so many really successful people following them. And uh, it's just a great story. So let's get into the podcast. All right. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. I'm very excited again to have Part two, a continuation of my discussion with Barry Mark or Barry Treebeard, as we all know him. And when last we left Barry, he was in the corner sucking his thumb. Uh, his business had collapsed due to mostly external forces. But, you know, those external forces can happen today, right? Think of the Bitcoin fiasco for some people, right? Who people who went and borrowed money, mortgaged their house and bought Bitcoin and watched it drop six or $7,000 in a day or two. Um, and then they got to pay it back. Now, fortunately, it recovered, but it's those things, those external forces. 
And your inability to read them, which is Steve talking about himself, um, is not that I don't have that skill set. Um, and what you're describing is not building risk into the model, right? That's what we're describing. And so, you know, there's a, a person that you and I both know who's been writing about uh, their money troubles lately and just, you know, borrowing so much, right? It, it's not building risk into the model. Everything's good until it isn't, right? It's the, I've had so many people on that used to do the Google, um, they used to build websites and then do the links and the backlinks and all that kind of jazz, made fortunes off of those, right? And then Google changed their algorithm. And overnight, their complete business is gone. And it's like, oh my gosh, well, you got to build that into your business. And so debt, building debt risk into your business is probably the most it's probably the most painful one, right? It's the most uh, volatile, right? I mean, I, to me, I don't know what else would be, you know, I guess employees would be, but, but boy, that debt thing is scary. Oh, it's bad. And as an accountant, you might, you might realize what I'm about to say, when you're down and you have nothing, and then when the credit card company writes off the debt, what happens, you know? There's a tax uh, gain, right? You get, yeah, it's income. Hmm. And so now you got to owe more money on that. The whole thing is income, technically. Technically. So <laughs> when you're in the corner sucking your thumb. Well, well, technically, by the way, this is something I didn't figure out, but I started learning to hire experts, and they told me, you just write a letter to the IRS that says, the truth, I owe this money, I have no, no assets, I have zero, and... Therefore, please erase all this. And they said, yes, you're right. And they did. Hmm. And so there is a point when you can do that, depending on what kind of debt it was, right? That matters. Well, this came up in the, in the whole uh, foreclosure crisis. Uh, everyone had income and, and, and until so many people were affected by it. They changed the law. It may have been temporary. And they said, well, if, this had, if the mortgage is written off, uh, never mind. It's not, it's not income anymore. Because so many people are affected. It's okay. Hmm. And it's probably reasonable. I mean, that's when, when it should be, you know, uh, those, those things, again, uh, and, I, you know, the banks loaned you money and you bought it. So who's, who's culpable? Both, right? Uh, who's more culpable? I guess that really comes down to I, I don't know. I mean, I have mixed emotions about it. Um, well, if, if, if you look at it um, from, the, from, the, from the purely transactional point of view, I probably paid the banks more money than oh, the Oh, yeah. A hundred times over. I agree with you. You know, I always say that to somebody. I'm like, go drive past the bank and look at their furniture and then look in your living room. Well, no, <laughs> I, I don't mean that, Steve. I meant literally. If I, the money that I ended up owing was, was greater because for a year they're hitting me for 30%. Oh, oh okay. So, so, so you might have owed them $1,000 and by the time they were done, oh, you owe us $30,000, Barry. Well, no. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Okay. That, okay. That, uh, it, it was technically I owed it, but re if you really look at the, re the morality of it, is if I, if I borrowed a hundred thousand, uh, and I may have paid them back a hundred twenty, and they sa said, "Okay, you still owe us right. hundred twenty." It's like a, like nowadays people stuck in a student loan morass, similar to that. Right, right. And and it, here's the other thing I go to is that you know when you think about the uh, right now, um, I don't know what category you're selling in, but you're going to have returns, right? You're going to lose a percentage of whatever you do, no matter what. Well, you just, you know, that's, you got to build that into your business model, right? And so, uh, you know, the, the thousand times you paid that bank, right? And paid all the interest and did whatever it was. 
and then that one time you didn't, they still made money on you in the long run when you look at the long game. And so hence the reason they're all still in business. So, okay. So, so you go in the corner, you start sucking your thumb. How do you rise up out of there? I'm not going to let you get past this one. I want to know how you get up and try to rebuild. Uh, well, I, uh, the skills, as you said, I had, I had maintained, I've been, been selling on eBay since 1997 and Amazon since 2002. And so, um, there was a bookstore going out of business and I said, Oh, I'm pretty sure I could buy, if I can buy well, buy, buy well, I can make money and sell these on Amazon really quick. And so I went in and I offered the you know, 10% of retail price for, for certain categories, the classics mainly, because I knew they were classic. They always were going to sell. And sure enough, I was able to sell them pretty rapidly and then you know, parlay the, the, the profits and the sale and then the return of capital in effect and buy more. And then uh, I, I knew um, many wholesalers from, you know, from prior. And I slowly opened accounts up and slowly built it up, only working out of my garage. Yeah, uh, I wanted to ask you that. You had no thoughts of buying that brick and mortar of that bookstore going out of business in any possible way? Is that where the gun shy is in? Um, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was no, no, there was no, no way. No way. No. Hmm. Well, it was too much uh, expense and, and also... Um, I was kind of a stay-at-home dad to some to some degree. Okay. And so I could operate out of the house, drive, you know, drive the kids to school and pick them up, and then uh, uh, pack pack uh, the orders and ship the orders uh, in between. Your marriage survived that downfall of the business. Um, what's that say about when you look back, uh, what you put your your wife through? I mean, do you think about that? Oh yeah, yeah. She's she's amazing. She uh, uh, you know, stayed. I mean, l- luckily, um, luckily, how do, how do I say this nicely? Um, well, I was insolvent. I had zero money, but I had I had kept our assets separate. So mm. she she was able to. Um, uh, well, yeah. In, in effect. She owns the company. She she started the company. Okay, you know, right. So um, right, but you uh, you were smart enough back then, you know, to keep things separate. So that's another good lesson. Okay, again, building risk into the business. The bills. I think that's one of the big things. You don't plan to fail, right? So you plan for all the good times, right? Whenever you buy, make a buy. I see this all the time. Hey, I just found. Um, oh, I don't know what was a hot toy. Fingerlings at Target, and man, when I'm done selling them. I'm going to make $17,000. Okay. Mm-hmm. You've seen that post, right? You know what I'm talking about. Okay. Well, that might be true, but you are going to get some returns and you're going to now deal with the counterfeit thing. And by the way, you might have to deal with an IP claim and they might not all sell because the price of what they were selling at at that peak when you see them at $69, that only lasts for a week or two weeks. And then all of a sudden demand or supply catches up. And then they're going to drop down to, I don't know what a fingerling sells for, to be honest with you, maybe 12 bucks, 13 bucks in a store. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's, it's actually, I think everyone should consider this. Well, I see it all the time, not like a, a fingerling, a quick flip, massive profit thing. Um, whenever you see something 
a new product that you want to sell on Amazon or, or even eBay. Um, and say there are some competitors, one or two or ten, however many, and the price is twenty dollars, and you can buy it for ten, and then you, after fees, maybe from on a light item, you can make five dollars. Well, you presupposed that everything is fixed. Well, when mm -hmm. you come in and try to share the buy box or lower the price and beat the buy box, they're going to come with you, or there could be new supply coming in that you didn't know about. So every time you, you make any buy decision, unless you have an exclusive, basically, um, you, you, the, the, same thing, the same risk is always there. It's not, not a fingerling great, as great as that risk, but every, every product. I see it all, all day long. Uh, you know, I, I see this, I contact the, the brand, the vendor, and I can make a profit at this. I'm always thinking, okay, well, look a month or two later, what happens when, you, when you're in the fight, the buy box fight? You know, is that profit still there? Right. How far can you write it down? I think about, I use this example, you know, when you go to ASD and you go to that, the liquidation room, I don't know what they call that, whatever that, you, you've been there, you, you know, what I'm talking about where, where all the vendors are selling, you know, to me, it looked like laundry soap, every, everybody's selling the same laundry soap. But my example is this, they're closeouts, they're liquidators, this is it, it's discontinued. Then you're like, oh man, I can buy this hot thing, it's discontinued. I've seen those stories where people have bought the discontinued uh, deodorant that people want or shampoo. I think shampoo is a really good one and you can't get any more and they'll pay a premium for it. Right. But then you walk down the next aisle and there's another guy with it. And then you walk down another aisle and there's another guy with the same thing. And then I'm thinking to myself, huh, maybe, yeah, he, that guy says he bought the rest of the, uh, quantity, but so did that guy. And so did that guy. And so that guy. So, so there's a big lesson there that, you know, what you think, and what you know are two different things. And, and, and that person who's selling it to you really believes that they bought the rest of it because that's what he was told. And so you got to be cautious. And back, back to the point. The point is to build risk into your business model no matter what. There will be risk. Factor it in. And then you'll make different decisions. Fair? Oh, yeah, exactly. So it's funny. I, I've dabbled a little bit in that, in that ASD hall, though I'm, I've since cut myself off. I never had any problems, but I... Uh, affectionately call that room the inauthentic hall. Mm. Yeah, it's very no, possible, yeah. You have no uh, uh, brand uh, protection. Uh, again, jumping is completely off, off the topic of the past, but uh, I, I buy things wholesale, 99% uh, or direct from the manufacturer. And <clears throat> uh, recently, mainly in uh, food items, for instance, I get one or two uh, threats through the, the buyer seller email system um, that they don't want the stuff sold on Amazon. When I purchase it, either direct from them or, or through through their authorized wholesaler, and almost always from a a uh, employee of the company at a sponsored food show. <laughs> if I get that for, on merchandise that I have <clears throat> perfect invoices from, imagine the risk of, of doing it in the inauthentic hall. I love it. I, I got a letter from Andy Slammon's company saying, hey, you're not authorized to sell your product. I'm like, Andy, <laughs> it's me. <laughs> oh, oh. I'm like, really? You're sending me an inauthentic? You know, it's just funny. But it's true. You never know. So I agree with you. And those things are, are uh, you want to be very cautious. However, there's a good thing that you can buy. I mean, I worry about stolen merchandise and then counterfeit. Those two things I'm very, very concerned about, right? So Assuming that these are reputable companies and you don't have to worry that they really are selling legitimate products, um, the place to might be to sell for eBay. Um, 
had Randy Reynolds on at one time and him and his wife and his wife was sourcing wholesale for eBay. That was their business model, that piece, that division that she was working on. I'm like, that's a very sensible business model. And that model is different, right? Because there really isn't a buy box. I know they're trying to have one. There really isn't. Um, so you can do a little, you know, you can really see how much inventory, you know, uh, is out there for sale um, at a given time on the eBay marketplace. So you have a little more access to information there. If you do the research right, it could be a good strong business model. But because there's a lot more, they're, they're, they're a lot more forgiving there on eBay than they are on Amazon. So anyway, we definitely got off track on that. But I think we're back to that build risk into your model and Barry's pretty good proof. You know, looking forward, I mean, is risk, every decision you make is risk a factor now? Period. Yeah, people, I've learned from friends on, on Facebook that I, I, I'm, I dwell on risk too much. Okay. Uh, I, I, um, I think a lot of people don't understand my uh, version of risk. I like to, I've just, I've just determined, I like to have too much control. And I like to, to think through all the possible outcomes and all the possible solutions. And so people have misinterpreted that at times to be, I'm negative, I always say, I always say can't be done, but that's not really what it is. I'm, I'm saying like, okay, you go to ASD and you buy from, from the liquidator, you can do it, just what happens if, well, you, you know, you, you like, I, like I bought a little bit in years past, and I always check with the, the uh, seller, you know, these are for online for Amazon, do you have permission from the manufacturer, can you back it up with invoices? Of course, I'll always say yes, but... Um, that's how I try to mitigate. Risk mitigation is sort of everything I do, and people have misinterpreted that to be I'm always negative, but I'm not. I'm positive, but I think you you have to know um, where your foundation is. It's perspective. I think it's a perspective issue, right? Your perspective is different because it's tainted. Um, the the rose colored glasses are a little clearer for you. Fair. Yeah, exactly. So so I st- we we restarted. Um, selling books, um, Amazon and, and eBay and worked out of the house and then, and then worked out of the storage facility. Um, then, um, rented a small warehouse. Uh, never, I never took a salary because my, my mm-hmm. wife is a teacher, so she was supporting us. And, but you helped raise the family. I mean, to be fair, you did your part. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But also, within within a year or two, you know, things were humming along nicely. I just didn't take a salary. The money was always reinvested. Mm. Uh, no, no real, not, no real loan, and no, uh, and no salary. And then I started hiring people because uh, it was just getting too, you know, it was too much. It was too much business. And <clears throat> again, I kept you know, everyone. Everyone was hired initially at ten dollars an hour, and I had a you know the small warehouse. And then, you know, these were like bays in, in, a, in a bigger building. And ultimately within uh, three years or four <laughs> years, I have, I've been renting four bays. You, you can't do anything small, do you? I mean, it just, it just creeps on you, doesn't it? Well, yeah, I had what I call um, Hong Kong style warehouse uh, Having been to Hong Kong, they have these small shops uh, on all these small shopping streets. Uh, you know, family-run businesses, small businesses, and they're so small 
that all the stock is is, uh, is put on the street basically to make a nice nice retail uh, display. But there's no room at night, so everything goes back in. You can't move in the facility in the little <laughs> store because everything's packed. So my warehouses were like that. I had to put stuff outside during the day if I got a you know big shipment in that week and bring it back in at night. And then I had pallets like double and triple stacked. Um, you, you couldn't move because I was buying um, in, in those days uh, uh, close out books. So, but you weren't financing them, is that is that correct? You weren't borrowing money to go get these books? No, no, no loan. No chance. I mean, this I, was it. This was self financing. Thinking about that, you know, now, you know, again, I'm going to ask you to look forward and then look back. You know, knowing how how well the business did this time, were you smarter making decisions because every dollar was so precious? And yes. if so. Well, I, I'm assuming you're going to say yes. However, does that also mean you missed some good deals that you look back on and say, hmm, I should have, I could have, I would have? Maybe not should have, but I could have. Not much, not much. Okay. Um, discipline was good. I, I've, I've since become undisciplined again, but the discipline was, was good. Um, you know, low salary, low overhead, and you can weather any storm. Okay. All right. There's another good lesson there for those who just came through Q4 and didn't fare well. Discipline, when you when you think about it and you go back and look, were you disciplined? And that sucks to, to admit you weren't, But because I've been there. Man, I've got a warehouse full of undisciplined decisions, um, shelves full of it. Uh, as I'm moving from one warehouse to another, I'm finding stuff. I'm like, oh my God, I forgot that I bought these. I haven't seen them. I'm in a section in my warehouse I haven't been in in years. Literally, I'm pulling things. I'm like, oh my God, I forgot I bought these. I, I just, but, but are you finding like I find? I can't tell if it's more or less. <clears throat> I find when that happens, frequently the value has gone up. Oh yeah, yes. And, and in fairness, there's a very few. Th I mean, Zuzu pets, pallets. No, I don't want to say pallets. <laughs> boxes of them, and they get donated. I mean, stuff like that. You know, stupid stuff like that. But no, when I here's a here's a good example, and I'm actually going to be putting it up for sale soon. Is I've bought Volkswagen collections. Because, A, they're interesting to me. I mean, literally, the, the gentleman I bought it from, I bought books from him. I bought it. He was a pastor, right? So if you here's a book tip for pro pastor libraries or good book sources because they buy a lot of books, or at least they used to. And a lot of those books hold value, right? Religious books sell well. Anyway, he also was a Volkswagen collector. And it took me couple of years to be able to buy this as he got up in age. He finally called me back some one day and said, Steve, do you want to, I'll, I'll take it all. Mm -hmm. Literally, we just moved and there are hundreds and hundreds of models and, you know, the old liquor decanters, those are common, whatever. But there are some amazing Franklin Mint stuff and just crazy, you know, anything he found Volkswagen related, he collected. And it's been sitting on my shelves for four or five years. And it took Year, and I saw him years before that. He wouldn't sell to me. So when you think about, he's been collecting these from the 70s, I think, in 80s, 90s, whatever. So that all that stuff is worth more money. Absolutely. And, and if you buy it, when you buy all of it, you pay, you know, a couple dollars a unit. So you're, you're right. However, however, the lack of discipline when you don't have the money is a bad thing. That's what that's that's really the point though, right? The fact that you were able to reinvest all that money back in and you were disciplined means that that that's really why you have a hockey stick of growth there. Yeah, 100%. And when you mentioned uh, people having a, maybe a disappointing fourth quarter this year, um, 
well, one of the, the, the tips I thought about for this is um, uh, large warehouses and large Amazon loans uh, mistakenly allow you to paper over lots of mistakes and undisciplined mm. uh, purchases and eventually they come and bite you. Ooh, so let's say that again. So large Amazon or large warehouses, large personal warehouses, well, and like you said, you had stuff in your, your warehouse was big enough. You you were able to to you have a, you have a great warehouse at cheap rent, I presume, and you just had stuff that was there and you just forgot about because you could because you your warehouse was big enough. It wasn't like uh, tumbling on your head every day. Yeah. Ooh. So yeah. that means I ignored it. I was able to put it uh, put baby in the corner and ignore it. And ultimately, right? I mean, even though it might have gone up in value, you know, what could I have done with that money? Especially if I owe other people money. If, I, if I'm paying interest to somebody else, that's double death, right? Yeah, it's, uh, people argue, I've seen on Facebook many times, and it looks correct, is that, you know, should you make uh, $10 now or wait two years and make $100? And, and their math is that if you take the 10 and, and sell it, turn it 30 times, then take the 10 don't wait for the 100 and what are you going to follow up with that what are you going to are you the economist going to say well they're both right um or they're both wrong <laughs> because that's really an independent thing right what's right for you isn't right for me uh, i think both, that's true they're both they're both right because you can't nothing's fixed nothing you, you can't predict one um there's things that you you'll find in your warehouse and in my warehouse that you bought for ten dollars and might be worth two hundred. You may have a hundred of them, and the things that you you, you bought for ten dollars and are worth fifty cents now are zero. So, uh, I've got those. Yeah, and the other more important, the warehouse is is not a, as big a a tip, but the that Amazon loan is so easy to get. It's like crack, and uh, it's so easy to get yourself into deep trouble uh, on that loan. And then you have to, and then they they keep on begging you to refinance it and. Uh, uh, it's so easy to get into trouble. Yeah. Oh, it and it, it, it's a with good intentions. I mean, it's not like somebody intentionally went down there. They're like, "Hey, I can buy this, and I can turn this. I can do this. I can do this." And back to your credit card example for you, you couldn't, right? I mean, it, you get to a place where you can't sustain it. Um, I did see. Oh, I just lost my train of thought. I, I did see some people talking about defaulting on those loans. Like, what happens? You know, I mean, I did I did see some of those things. And I don't want to go there because I don't want to even think about that for anybody. I don't want to put that out there for anyone. They will get through this. I'm, I'm confident they'll get through this. Um, but oh, back to the warehouse. That's where I was going to go. The warehouse could be significant depending on where you're located. Um, so my new warehouse is 6,100 square feet, my new one. And it's another 6,000 that I share with Andy. So there's 12,000 total. But my section, the 6,000 that I originally leased, um, my cost is $5,000 a month lower than somebody else I know because he's in a different part of the country. $5,000 a month for the exact same space. It's warehouse. I mean, it's nothing pretty. I mean, it's warehouse. But a month. That is material. And yet we might be selling the same shoes because I sell shoes. And I know this person sells shoes. We, we would be selling the same pair of shoes. That 5000 is a burden for that man. You know, it is. And his labor cost, depending, because usually with the higher warehousing cost, there's usually a higher labor cost because they're kind of in a better area. That Hence, the cost is higher. Um, it is significant. And then I think about the boys down in Kentucky. You know, when you, if, you, uh, if you know Dan and Eric down there. 
where they are, it's even half of mine. It's that much cheaper. And so competitively, you know, that's a big difference. That's when warehousing can be a factor. Uh, Yeah, 100%. This is putting the the horse behind the cart. But one of my predictions for 2018 is it's the year of uh, cheap. If you have a cheap warehouse in a central location like the boys in Kentucky. um, Or Stephen, Pennsylvania. Stephen, Pennsylvania. uh, uh, Salterville Prime. MFN shipping, uh, eBay, all that stuff has come back, and um, it's good to be in those places. My uh, my rent uh, is I have a huge warehouse again. I went too big, uh, and you know, went too big. My book business cratered, uh, not because of the Kindle, but just the book business itself cratered partially with Amazon fees. Um, it's seventeen thousand a month. Oh my God. So that, that's why I started a small FBA, a, a word of mouth only uh, FBA prep business. To, uh, Whoa, $17,000 a month. That is a huge nut that you have to do. And if you, you know, Steve's math, this is Steve, not everybody else. And I know there are 10 times, 100 better sellers than me, you know, in a, in a block. My math always says it's 17 to 20% is the net uh, operating income for most um, sellers. And, and at my level, right, the low end, I'm not the high, I'm not the great guy, but that's real. And so when you do that math, right, simple algebra, go back and divide that by that 17,000, how much you have to sell to cover that. It's enormous, <laughs> right? I mean, it is. A lot. The, the building was supposed to take us to $10 million, and then, you know, my sales went the other direction uh, recently. So, I mean, it's just... Okay. We're talking the past. We, we have a whole section to cover. So we'll go back to uh, the mid-2000s. Build risk into your business. I want to say it one more time. Okay. All right. Go ahead. So then uh, um, here's, here's another uh, tip and funny story. Um, it's always good uh, to try to uh, leave business transactions that maybe didn't work out on an amicable basis. Um, I've been using a, a freight broker. And um, one day the truck showed up, and the driver said, "Oh, you want me to just use the lift gate and uh, and you know we'll drop this one pallet, or half a pallet, maybe even less, and uh, be faster." I said, "Okay." I turn around, I get a charge back from the broker, you know, seventy-five dollars. And I said, mm-hmm. "I'm not paying that because I, I would just look, it would take me th- three minutes to unload the boxes, and you know the driver shouldn't have shouldn't have offered if it was going to charge me because usually they won't charge if they're offering." they just want, want to get out faster um and we had we had this dispute and i think i ultimately paid him i said oh well i'm doing well enough. i'm not gonna i have to dig my heels in funny thing happened a sunday night uh this lady calls me up and says oh i sell lots of books at great prices our, our freight broker says that you buy lots of books um and she was right. She had great prices, lots of books, and I, uh, I could buy you know, amazing stuff from her at amazing prices. Uh, we, we built the business up uh, to say eBay. We were doing eighty thousand a month. That's incredible to do eighty thousand dollars a month on eBay. That's a million dollar a year run rate. Very, very, very few large eBay sellers that are not big giant corporations doing a million dollars on eBay. Very, very rare. So you built up this massive eBay business. And at this point, what, uh, what were you doing on Amazon? 
Oh, Amazon was, was, was it more, even more than that. Right, but were you MFing or were you FBI then? Um, I was both. We okay. Were, we were a, a beta tester for uh, the end of the FBI beta test. I um, Again, the old SCOE convention. I went out there. They, they made a presentation about FBA uh, coming up. And I said, I must get in. Please, I must get in. And they, they relented. They, uh, they, they took us um, in, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was very good. It, it worked well. But we used it more of a liquidation uh, because the fee, between the fee structure and, and um, some of the expensive books, we didn't think we would be handled very well in the warehouses and the shipping. And so we, we preferred to do it ourselves. So <clears throat> we, the, the type of, of book purchasing we had to do was we had to sometimes buy a thousand of a title minimum to get mm. these great prices. And there were certain things that we actually um, purchased an entire 48 foot trailer of one title. Oh my God. Uh-huh. And, and, and this was all just going to get sold on one of three channels or were you wholesaling books also at that point? Um, so it was either going to get sold on eBay, Amazon Merchant Fulfill, or Amazon or an Amazon FBA. Yeah, were there, okay. Yeah. So one of those three. Okay, and so I mean, how many? You know, what is there? Twenty six pallets on a forty eight foot trailer. Uh, yeah. I don't know how many books fit on a pallet, but a lot. I mean, you got to figure a dozen on each side of a box, and then you probably got. 20, 30 box, I mean, 50 times. Hold, hold, hold on. They were typically box sets, so it was, it was a different math. Was, okay. Uh, I think it may be 10,000 box sets. 10,000 sets of books on a title. And you're you're not rolling it on seven. This is a calculated risk at that point? Um, well, yeah, it was yeah, very, very, very calculated. It was, it okay. was not, not a problem. Um because uh, I, I just didn't wake up and say, okay, I buy ten thousand. It was, uh, you know, say a, a box set tied to a, a, a uh, like an HBO series, right? And, Movie uh, release or what have you. So a Harry yeah. Potter set, for example. So when you think about that, though, um, did you know the number of sellers? Was this a? I mean, were you that being the type of mental, you know, capacity you have? Were you looking at it saying, okay, there'll be twelve other mega sellers like me? And if we all sell a thousand, you know, or ten thousand, you know, that should supply, you know, that should handle the demand. Um, well, since it was a, it was kind of like a yearly thing almost that you knew what the demand was, and and very often, what this sort of happened was occasionally my supplier would, would double ship me or triple ship me, and and since these books were all high velocity, it was like if you had it, they would they would sell. Okay. So we started seeing oh. I would have bought 50 or 100 of this title, and I got 400. And guess what? They all sold. So maybe I'm thinking too too small. Too small. Um, and and were there there weren't a lot of other sellers entering that market like there are today, right? Where you go and you can go and buy uh, through uh, Entertainment Earth. Uh, what were the uh, the hot ones uh, last year? They sold this year too, but they. Uh, they look uh, like Furbies, you know what I'm talking about. But you know what I'm saying is that there weren't that many, nobody else had access at that point when you were at that level, you because you're at the publisher level. So you're, it wasn't, they just weren't accepting Amazon sellers. No, no, not at all. We also, when you buy that, those quantities, um, 
also you can sometimes negotiate you know, discounts. So um, I think the, the basic risk calculation was uh, I'm paying X. Can I you know, sell them at X if I had to, to get okay. all my money back? Okay. And it, it wasn't something I would sell in a month either. It was a, a, a you know, negotiated you know, payment terms over, say, sometimes six months. And they usually usually sold out. Occasionally, before I moved into a single warehouse, um, we we had uh, stacked them up, double or triple, in the, in the side of the warehouse so they were safe. And you know, over time, you sell them. And one time, one day, someone complained. We got the books, and there was a, there was an ant farm in the in the books, and we had to throw <laughs> them out. And I'm saying, what are you talking about? We, there's all shrink wrap seal stuff. You're you're crazy. And then uh, when we moved to, to, to the big warehouse, uh, we saw one pallet, uh, ants had devoured the actual cardboard in the center of the pallet of the boxes and had gotten into, through the shrink wrap into the books and made, made actual uh, ant, ant hills, ant farms, whatever, man. tunnels. That's crazy. Yeah. That's, that tells you something. You know, you think about that customer that you were felt so, now you got to feel bad, right? I mean, I've done that. You know, it's like, no way, that we don't do that. And then you go, look, I'm like, oh, my God, I think we did. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Oops. Yeah, we just thought it was like, you know, in their mailbox, that, you know, sometimes the ants just swarm into a place and uh, uh, it wasn't us. You know, like last week, uh, my, we went to my in-laws, my, my wife brought donuts and it came time to serve a donuts. They're full of ants. Oh, and I'm thinking, uh oh, they were in my, they were in my, our house and we have ants. But no, it turns out there was ants in, in, in where the where the box was kept. You know, it's, it's in Florida, so it's okay. going to be a big problem. Hey, let me ask you something. This is this is this might be too personal. You might please don't get offended by this. But listening to this level of success, when you get you ordered fifty and four hundred come in, and you sell them all, and all of a sudden, I mean, you run the risk of getting a little cocky. I don't want to say again, because I'm not saying you got cocky before, but maybe your filter, your risk meter gets a little softer. As you say, you get a little less disciplined. You said that you do. You are, you get back there. Is that started? Did that, did you start to see that even before the book changes that Amazon massive that they made last year? I think it was last year when they made that massive change on books and fees, you know, where you can't keep one book there and all that kind of chance. But did you... Did you see those things starting to tear down that that armor that you built back up? Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. Well, that's how I end up in this my, my uh, big warehouse that's too big for me that I have right now. No, no question about that. So, how do you prevent that? I mean, I, I guess that's because uh, you know, again, our goal is with this message, and everybody's going to be like, "Wow, these are long interviews." These two, they are. But I think the reason is because I want you to do 2018 different. If you had an incredible year and things went really well for you, that is awesome. And I applaud you. And man, I'll celebrate right along with you. However, please build risk into your business just so when things won't go right, and they won't, I mean, it'll rain someday, that you're prepared, right? And that's all I'm asking for in that scenario. Or in the other side, if your business really tanked and did terrible, please listen first. Barry's proof that you can recover. However, there's risk because even after recovery and you start going back up again, you can get a little, this is a negative term, but I don't mean it that way, cocky almost. Oh, 100%. I think that's, for all the business books you could read, and uh, you know, millions of pages, billions of pages of them, I think that's what 
what uh, separates uh, one, one of the things that separates successful people from not successful people. Yeah, and I'm, I'm struggling uh, with it my, to this day that you have to realize whatever you think of is not the best idea and things can change and you have to always have an exit strategy or a way to cut your losses. Uh, so to, to sum it up, um, always be humble. Always be humble. You know, that's a Warren Buffett uh, thing. I mean, he is a very disciplined investor. That's how you go for the long game. Very, very disciplined. The no's that he must say versus the very few yeses. Where when you're when things are going well, you know, back to that $75, you know, trucking thing, you just absorb that cost because eh, it's no big deal. What I can handle. I can absorb that because things are going well. When they're not going well, man, that's that discipline. So if you can exercise that discipline when things are going well, that's what really separates the great from the good. Yeah, well, it's, it's the, the hard, especially this business is so hard. It's really all, it's, it's, I guess there's many, many sellers that, that do a great job uh, and don't have much risk, but there's so many unknowns. You don't know the demand, you don't know the supply, you don't know the price, that you're not gonna sell anything unless you take a, a risk and lay it out there. So it's, it's that is the hardest thing Maybe maybe in all retail, or maybe uh, in the internet, it's harder. I don't know, but that is that kind of sums it up. You just can't tell. Well, you think about Toys R Us. I think I just saw something said they might close another two hundred stores. You know, um, and I mean, you know, they didn't buy all these toys and and all these things. I mean, let's face it: the external influences that are affecting them are incredible. The Amazon. I mean, think about you're that retailer, and now all of a sudden this behemoth of Amazon is now targeting your industry. Now, toys, they've been doing it for a long time. But but uh, what are some of the other industries? I just read that Amazon's looking at um, pharmaceutical delivery, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine what that does to, I don't know about your market, but we have a drugstore in every corner. And there used to be competitors. Now they're all the same. They're almost all owned by the same company. And they're, they're there. Huge brick and mortar expenses, huge retail presence. What ha- and where they make a ton of money, right, is that pharmaceutical. What happens if that model goes away, right? I mean, so you want to talk about external influences affecting your business, build in risk. I mean, ultimately, that's really it. You've got to build in risk because something, it will rain, as Dave Ramsey always says, right? You need an umbrella because it will rain. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you're 100% right. It's, it's, uh, it's probably more, it's probably faster and it's probably uh, more external uh, issues. If you go back, you know, 40, 50 years, uh, other, you, know, you could have a great uh, regional uh, business, your region, the drugstore, your, your block, whatever. You could control a lot. Uh, it wasn't that much competition. Uh, you, I guess the biggest externality would be like a, a recession, uh, mm-hmm. things like that. Now you're right. You could have um, uh, Amazon come in or anyone come in. Like, you know, when you talk about the drugstores, the uh, the uh, I think it's still still being discussed. Uh, it was a CVS buying Aetna because uh, <clears throat> they want to you know um, uh, make a chess move ahead of Amazon so they can you know, try to get efficiencies between the insurance company and the, and the uh, drugstore. But you, but you also have maybe go back to the question you asked me earlier uh, when I maybe I should have jettisoned my wholesale business you know 20 years ago and gone straight internet only. So maybe all businesses have to think of that too, creative destruction. Well, I think you're back to, you know, that uh, examining it from all possible angles. Um, or 
as I was thinking about with your warehouse space, now let's diagnose Barry for a second. So you've got this massive uh, space that, um, for example, let me, let me, I'm going to give you a couple of different examples. There is a company out there right now buying Amazon businesses that are private label specific, and they're adding that to their existing warehouse. So they have the infrastructure of the handle. They sell glasses. I'm looking at my glass of water. And they sell silverware or whatever. And then they come along and like, hey, let's get dining room tables because that's related or something stupid like that. And so they buy these companies and just pop it in because it's just skews on their shelves. They already got all the rest of the processes built out. Have you looked at you know, out um, subleasing some of your warehouse space to other Amazon sellers. And I know there's lots of risk and all the rest of that kind of stuff. I don't know if you own yours or if you lease it and, and then sublease it out or what have you. Have you thought those things through almost like a Venn diagram and saying, you know, here's my strengths and here's my other things. And have you thought about that? Because you've had some success in real estate. I mean, you're good at that. You must have bought it right if you sold it at a profit or you just timed the market right, which is still an art. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, uh, uh, yes, I have. And real, okay. and real estate, yes, I've been lucky. Uh, we didn't really discuss much of that. But yes, I always bought during the downturn, uh, during recession, but I also always was owner-occupied. Uh, just, you know, I, I, I always bought extra because you can't really grow and move so easily. So I bought extra and, and rented out. Um, but um, we do, I do sublease part of my warehouse one of my neighbors uh, was, was a family friend, turned out anyway. Um, it's a, a national uh, company that um, does mainly, they have no warehouse really, so to speak. They do drop ship right from their, their plants to um, all the all different retailers throughout the whole country. And they had space near you know, next door to me, building over, and they, uh, they wanted to give it up to save money. And so I do rent them a portion of my warehouse, and they take they get shipments almost daily in and out. Uh, so yeah, I do that, and they remember not only are we renting my warehouse, I'm renting my expertise and my employees. Right. We do the FBA prep business, so we've okay. been prepping for coming on 12 years now. Um, so yes, I do exactly like you said, uh, and similar to Amazon, I have I have excess capacity, so I'm I'm selling my service just like okay. I sell FBA, I sell FBA prep. So, so you are doing that. Okay. So I, I oh, good. I feel better. Okay. Um, and that makes sense. And so you quietly mentioned it before. Now that I think back to our conversation, you do a word of mouth offer those services. What state are you located in? Uh, we're in Florida. You're in Florida. So, so if somebody is looking for those services, um, I will have a link here. Um, but it's, uh, there's a filter. Because Barry is conservative and Barry is uh, risk averse. So understand that. <laughs> Don't just say, hey, can I just rent on terms? No. <laughs> Prepay, right? <laughs> so when you think about, you know, your story of recovery. Oh, but wait, but wait, Stephen. Hold, hold okay. Your I'm going too far ahead. All right, go ahead. Well, no, there's a whole interesting concept that you always like. Um, about three years ago, I finally convinced my wife to quit her job as a teacher, and now she works in the business. Well, uh, now, when I read that, I assume, though, being a teacher, she has a pension, she has all the life insu- or health insurance for life and all that safety netting? Nope, none of it. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no. Of course, we moved, and so she... 
you know, split up. She didn't have enough, didn't have enough time in any one location. And then she worked for uh, what they call charter schools down here. So Okay, right, right. I'm familiar with that. So she comes into the business, and she comes in with a different skill set, similar skill set. I don't know what kind of teacher she was versus you, the engineer, mental thought person kind of, you know, what kind of skills did she bring? Um, that's a great question. Uh, we sort she sort of just evolved into, uh, somewhat of a, of a listing creator, uh, bundler. And then more importantly, uh, she's the Amazon catalog whisperer. <laughs> she spends hours a day, uh, talking, trying to fix, you know, fix their problems and, and, uh, you know, different issues in the, in the catalog. It's, you know, it's a, it's a tough job doing that. When you think about the success you have, what, what, and be careful because this marriage has to last, what percentage would you attribute to her coming in? Because you already said you're undisciplined, and so you wouldn't have paid attention to that stuff. And so her paying attention to that stuff, is there a factor that you could say, it's had this impact on my business? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, this well, is the time to compliment your wife, dude. Come on. No, I'm so trying Don't to miss say this. that um, uh, my, my two, for the very end, my two uh, uh, tips one is the, we'll call it, we'll talk, discuss it later, but the, uh, the death by uh, a thousand cuts uh, issue, as well as uh, um, how to make, stay in business and uh, fight. The battle of the crumbs and so she's the one that saves the business by by getting the crumbs like hmm. i call crumbs uh, uh when you when you want to make a bundle and you order three four or five components and the manufacturer ships not them all and you have to wait or you make a new bundle to, to handle what you have and then the other one comes in or you buy something and you go to list it she says oh this doesn't match the listing uh, the size changed or the color changed or whatever uh, so i have to fix it with the catalog team or I have to make a new, a new uh, entry, a new listing. Uh, or you bought these, you sent only half in because you didn't want, want to pay the storage fees. But now the half is sitting here. Let's get them in. Yeah. So she, yeah, the business. And that, and cover. that stuff would not have happened. No, that would just that's warehouse fill, right? If because if she wasn't there, that's just warehouse fill. That's the stuff that I'm finding in my warehouse years later, right? It just you know, yeah, I'll get to it. <laughs> and well, life yeah, happens. Warehouse fill. And again, I call it crumbs. We have customer damage, clothing and shoes, all mm. that on eBay. You should have seen what she did for eBay. It was incredible this year. All the stuff that comes in, um, is, she sells virtually all of it. She gets it, she lifts, she determines it, she lists it, and uh, boom, uh, it sells. So, yeah, so without her, uh, you know, none of that would happen. Everything, everything would accumulate as warehouse fill and a drain on the business until one day you reach a tipping point and say, oh, between, you know, we, we have all this money tied up, and we can't get it back. Uh, combined with, we'll discuss later, maybe the death by a thousand cuts. Well, it's my Volkswagen collection, right? How much did I pay for it? And that's been sitting there for years, right? That's money I can't do things with. And God forbid I borrowed money is what we were talking about. But if I didn't even still, it's one of those, we have all that money. You have all this inventory. Do you have a business? If it's not for sale, it's not really a business, right? And so where I was going to go with that is, a lot of people ask me, hey, what do I do with my stuff? You know, how do I get rid of it? You know, what do I do? If you get to that place where it starts to accumulate pretty, you know, heavily, 
um, you need to find a, an outlet. And in your case, you found an employee, happened to be your wife, mm. um, somebody with that skill set. But you got to make a decision. I mean, it, it, here, here's my, my Steve's tip. Steve's moving into a new warehouse. I am not designing this warehouse like my existing warehouse. I am fixing the things that are wrong with it, or I'm not doing it. For example, I'm painting the walls. It's so stupid to sound like a, And I'm spending a fortune. I think they're up to 60 gallons of paint. Wow. right now 60 gallons i'm like what are you guys drinking this stuff every time i go back they're like we need more paint so i'm like are you kidding me however i just want it to look not i want to look i want to be able to see and not be this dark dismal place where stuff gets piled in the corner right um there's no chance i mean i have enough shelving everything's going up on a shelf there'll be nothing on the floor because i don't want to i don't want to work in that environment anymore you know what i mean and so what point do people make the decision to hire out or hire in, in your case, that key position? Because you're saying it's one of the key cogs to success. Yes. At what point should someone make that decision, Barry? Uh, well, and, and let, me, let me qualify it because Leron Hirschkorn is a good example. He outsources his to a person who sells on eBay, and they get 100% of the merchandise that he pulls back. And he, uh, he gets 70% of the sales. So when it sells for $100 and you know, let's say it nets $100 after their fees, $70 goes to him and $30 goes to her, the lister. Well, that's, and, that's exactly how, you, how it has to be done. You have to, um, you know, I work in my business. I don't work on my business. Uh, okay. You have to do like he just did. Uh, he, he, he sees a problem. I mean, he doesn't have a warehouse, so he didn't know what to do. So he immediately came up with a solution. And uh, what everyone else should do is just like he, he does. But uh, what point in your business? That's where I was going with it. What point in your business should you be doing that? Um, you should be doing it when, I mean, say, say take Leron's case. You know, when he's getting one, two, three, four, five customer damage units or whatever uh, items back. That's nothing. But he can keep that in his, in his house. Um, but not, for, not long after that, he, you, should, you should solve it. If you're on... If you're on many, many Facebook groups like you and I are, all kinds of people talk about all kinds of problems and issues. So if you want to work on your business, you should be able to see people's problems. That's the beauty of, of Facebook is that everyone asks for solutions or tells their problems. And then you should say, oh, I have a similar problem. And like Leron has a great thing. He found someone that just you know has the time and, and wants to make the money to list it and sell it. So to Two problems are solved. Leron doesn't yeah. have that, that those storage fees or, or the capital tied up, and it's sold. So you should be you should try to do it every if you if you goes back to the uh, the old uh, Wharton days. You should manage manage not manage by exception. Whenever you're not, which means don't put out the fires when you have you know 200 units to have to get out of Amazon because of storage fees, or, or they're going to destroy them after 30 days. Um, you should get to that beforehand. So, so to recap, I would guess if you're in Facebook groups all the time, you could you could over the course of a month make a list of different items and problems that you, as you're growing that you say, oh, Leron is doing you know five times what I'm doing, and he he outsourced uh, this this all these functions, not just the eBay one, but just all the functions. So let me plan on you know March I'll do this, and April I'll do that, and May I'll do the next thing. So I think that'd be the smartest thing. I mean, do as I say, not as I do. But. Well, but I think the way you said it was perfect. Solve the problems, right? So I think the first place you got to go to is list all your problems. A, be a 
strong enough person to admit you have problems, list those problems, and then solve them, tackle them one by one. And I, I think you're, it's a good example. Your problem got solved because your wife came in with a skill set and she's like, I'm not looking at this crap. I'm going to fix this. This is money tied up. Boom, solved. And in Leron's case, he's like, I'm never touching crap ever. And I happen to find somebody who wants to make money with no risk to her. Boom, solved. And, and, but you can do that for every single, you know, looking, looking forward, right? You said that you're unorganized. Now, it sounds like your wife made a big impact this year on your business, fixing that problem. Yes. Is there a clue here that she should be addressed? You should be, you should say, honey, here's my next problem. <laughs> it sounds like she's got a, the ability to fix some things. I mean, is that real? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, she, she also, uh, from day one, um, took on the job of, of um, managing all the employees uh, because I'm, I'm not the best at it. I prefer... You know, I hire the people, expect them to do something. I don't like hold a hand all day long and stroke them how great you are. And then conversely, I don't sit and yell at them either. So I just expect them to go. I sit in my office and, and I'll, you know, I'm on the computer all day long and expect them to do their, their stuff, which is unreasonable to expect. So Right. Sure. Life is, they're going to have lives and life's going to happen to them. Sure. Yeah, so her job is, was and is, is to um, uh, you know, Help help the employees and help us at the same time. You know, make their lives better and our lives, you know, better. Um, you know, this employee needs a loan, this employee needs off, you know, that that sort of stuff. And uh, yeah, so uh, so she's more importantly than just you know getting rid of our crumbs, that she you know handles the uh, HR, so to speak. I was, I was going to add to your last um, uh, comment about um, finding making a list of your problems. Going back to to, to Facebook see what other people's problems are because you may not realize that you have those problems. That what you have is a problem or will be a problem in the future. Well, I remember Will Chernlin saying to me, Will, Will's a, uh, he's a kid. Will, you're laughing right now because I, I always tell me I have socks older than him. And he'll do 10 or $20 million in sales this year. But he said, and I remember him saying this, he's like, Steve, the problems for a seller at $10 million are significantly different than they are at half a million dollars. They really are. They're different and they're much bigger problems because they're union issues or, you know, big legal issues. I mean, whatever it be, they're just bigger, bigger problems, right? And so I agree with you. Stuff that wasn't a problem, but as you start to approach a million dollars or $2 million or $3 million, they start to come up, right? Now, all of a sudden, you're on the radar. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means you've got to do X or whatever, right? I mean, so I think it's smart. When you, do you build plans? I mean, do you have a budget or a, a, a business plan anymore? No, I never did. <laughs> never did. I mean, is that a miss, thinking forward? Everyone has them. Everyone wants them. And call me stupid, but I never saw how they made any sense. So you're, you're gonna, this is from day one, from graduating from business school. I said, so I'm supposed to make a plan for you that predicts the future, that has so many variables, that it's just a joke because you're never going to um, – it's just not going to happen that way. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna come to 15 forks in a row that you hadn't anticipated, and so it's just a waste of time. And I'm wrong because everyone else doesn't, and you need to have a plan so you know what to do. I guess my, my hang-up is I know there's be so much unanticipated, so why bother? So somebody would say you are negative there. You're saying, no, you're just considering everything, and it just sounds like too much turmoil. Therefore, I'm not going to do it. 
Yeah, I say yeah. My, okay. My negativeness uh, coming up. Well, I mean, that was something you mentioned. So when you, how do you then stay on task? How do you, like you said, my my book business has declined. I've got to figure something else out. How are you going to stay on task and, and stay going in the right direction? Well, for the past two or three years, I've been I've been uh, searching through different categories. We you know, we did shoes and clothing, and I'm not that you know really happy you know, with the return rates on those. Um, oh, and also map pricing because I'm I'm adhering to map like a religion, and no one else is. And you, no one else does. Yeah. Complain. Manufacturers say, "Oh well, we can't help it. Sorry." Um, so what's the point? So I you know, got a little bit dis- uh, disenchanted with that, and so we, we we've done other uh, categories. And, I, and last year I went to way too many trade shows, and I, and I vowed not to go to any this year. But now I'm creeping up to go. Now it's almost like I'm going to ASD, not to really not to hunt for new merchandise at all, but to see my current manufacturers uh, that that uh, exhibited there. And actually, I'm going to try this year. I'm going to try to actually make the orders right then and there. I, I found going to so many trade shows last year that I just took cards and catalogs, and it was just overwhelming later on to go back and make the orders. I should have spent the time right then and there. Uh, t- brought my, the reason why I, don't, I didn't do that was I need to research and see how those ASINs are selling or how similar ones are selling, and you just can't do it uh, on the spot. Perhaps, as, as uh, my friend John Chartier says, uh, if you're focused and only in one limited little area, you'll you'll have so much knowledge you won't have to refer to anything because you'll know it. Uh, hmm. But when you're trying to get into new categories, you, you don't have that uh, luxury of knowing. So, how- so that's a change you're making. Then you're making a conscious decision to be very very focused. I think that the you know I mean I sit here and you could say it's not a plan, but dude, that sounds like a plan. It's not written, but boy, that sounds like a plan. Yeah, that, that's true. So we're basically uh, well. Here, here's a, here's our or my well, our our plan is before since I mainly deal in branded items um, is I would order things and I struggle to to get them into uh, a re, uh, a repricer. I mean, I get the most important things into a repricer, but sometimes I slack off on the on the smaller quantity of items and then also get them uh, into pay per click. Yeah, so you really have to do it the right way. You have to do. Um, you know, you should, when you order them, create the listings or the offers and set up the, uh, the repricing structure and the pay-per-click. That, I think that's the best plan for myself and, and for everyone. So it's almost like a flow chart. I bring a product in. This is what I'm going to do with it. Boom, 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 like a checklist. Check, check, got it done, got it done, got it done. Okay, next. Before you move into next, you complete all that stuff right up front. Yeah, exactly. And Love it. And I'm going to be... Uh, starting next week, we're m- making some changes. So some of my longtime employees uh, that have been managing, you know, different areas, uh, mainly in prep and things like that, I'm going to put them into uh, Seller Central and you know have them start doing a lot of the tasks that I do. So maybe one day I can work on the business, not in the business. Yeah, you know, well, uh, I, Sam Cohen's got a couple people that are in different roles than they were uh, years ago. And I remember him telling me, like, oh, my God, who would have known that he was so good at this? And he never let him try it. And then all of a sudden he was like, because he had all this other experience on this other end, 
And when he brought it into that world, all of a sudden it exploded because he's like, he fixed all the problems that we had that we didn't even know we had because he had so much experience. It's like, that is such a smart thing by exposing people, especially if they've been running other divisions. They know your dirty laundry. It might not bubble up to you. They know it. And they might fix some of it. So I think that's a smart move too. So is 2018 going to be materially different for you? Do you think, I mean, is it, is it, are you at a pivot point in your business again? Yeah, I think so. Well, we've, we've actually, uh, I think these are the first months recently where my year over year are not down because I'm busy trying to backfill uh, lost book sales because you know, it is difficult to sell books on Amazon with the you know, very high fee structure that, that came in. I mean, it's funny, care for what you wish for. You know, when we heard, oh, we can get buy boxes and books one day. Well, how exciting. Wouldn't that be great? And then, well, we got them, but then they raised the fees so much that it, uh, you know, it was hard to make any money on books. So for, for 2018, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's more discipline, trying to be more disciplined in, in getting uh, merchandise and staying with it and understanding it and uh, you know, setting it up in the flow chart like we just discussed. And my next uh, big plan, I think this is a, should be a big tip for everyone, is getting multi-channel cross-listing software which we, we started two months ago and I'm very happy so far uh, with the way it's running. Because um, everyone has inventory. There's no reason why it shouldn't be listed on Amazon, eBay, yeah. and your own website, for instance, at the same time. It's, right. It, it's, it takes some, some time to understand uh, a learning curve. But once you're in there, um, I've just shown my wife, don't bother. Just list it you know, in, in this new software. And then you push it out to the other venues, and that's it. You're done. And it keeps track of the inventory, and it's more of a selling machine than you know listing on Amazon, listing on eBay. I love that term, selling machine. Ooh, yeah. ooh, you just took me to a place. Uh, care to tell us which software you're using? Uh, I'm not getting paid for it. But I get a free ad. Uh, so far, uh, I found uh, uh, Celebrate. Uh, Celebrate. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, when I was just at a, a meetup in Chicago. Um, uh, and I don't want to draw a blank. I don't want to try to get the name right. Um, Ecom Chicago. Oh, sorry guys. Um, that, uh, Selbright, the eBay guy who was a big eBay executive was there and we, we got to the side. He's like, Steve, you really got to take a look at this and talk with this company. And he put me in touch with them. So I'm, I am going to have somebody on. Um, and he said, they can do most everything that you probably need to get done. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, he I, recommended them. I, I forgot that it was, I made, I, I pulled the trigger based on your interview. Uh, oh. I think you were talking with, uh, uh, who, uh, I, guess, uh, you, I guess you did another Karen Locker a few months ago. Was, yeah, oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Karen recommends it. Yeah. Karen recommends them heavily. Um, yeah. Uh, well, that's cool. Uh, that's awesome uh, to hear. And it's awesome to hear that you're pleased with it because so many times all I hear about is the fees. You just described it differently, though. It's a selling machine. It's not oh. a cost structure. Oh, no question about it. It's uh, uh, it is a, it is a, well when you have relatively high volume, it, you know, they, they charge by the quarter, so it does it does add up. I also tried a little bit with uh, Limworks, it's called, and uh, I, I liked them. Uh, I just it, intuitively my brain didn't function the way that they were set up, and they had great tech support, um, which actually one of the rare companies. Where at my volume, I think my monthly was two hundred dollars a month. 
you could get tech support 24-7. It was unbelievable. Wow. They had people throughout the world, I guess, that were you know, well-trained, and uh, they helped me. I just had trouble, you know, I guess, you know, that's an old, they're, they're a British company, and they're older. It, they could be five or ten years old, maybe. I'm not sure. And, you know, when, when a company evolves that way, you know, over time, uh, adding venues, it's different, whereas I, I think Celebrate, um, what they have now is, is more graphical and, and uh, to me, very intuitive. I, and the learning curve was not, was, you know, I basically figured out how to do it uh, with just a little bit of help in, you know, two or three days. Are you bringing other employees into the fold, into the Celebrate world to work on it with you? It's fantastic to do that, yes, because <clears throat> there's no security issues and seller central issues and you know, two-step verifications. Uh, you know. so, so you're using it as listing software too, so basically that's where it starts, into Celebrate, and then you push it out to other venues. Well, unfortunately, you can't push, from, you can't create a listing uh, on Celebrate to Amazon, apparently. I think that's what Karen said also. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So what we do is we... But she said they're working on it. I hope so. I mean, everyone's told me that. Cubana, I met them at, uh, at ASD. Oh, yes, we're working on it soon. It's like... Uh, <laughs> and Feedvisor. Um, it can't be done. But, I mean, you can go to... You can go to uh, I mean, not for listings, but for offers. Uh, on Seller Engine, you, you could do that in 2005. So I, I don't understand... Yes. The Channel Advisor, I believe, does that. So I think they have that. So Aaron's, they're the only ones that, that can do it. So what you have yeah. to do for us is we uh, create the offer or listing on Amazon, and then we import it into Celebrate, and then we can push it to eBay. And then you can push it. But you can manage it from Celebrate then. Once you do that backwards, where you bring it from Amazon back to Celebrate, can you then manage it from Celebrate for Amazon? Everything, yeah. It's like okay. Okay. The dashboard, everything in one place. Uh, I mean, it's still early mm-hmm. into it, but it seems it's, it seems to be working well. Support is is good, and um, uh, so far I haven't had any problems with the software. But let me ask you this, because you're you're further ahead on this. Um, you have a large warehouse that you're talking about doing more fulfillment and maybe some M, a lot more MF and and eventually seller fulfilled, which you're on the East Coast, so that's. You can get quite a few states from where you are for seller fulfilled um, uh, prime. Um, so, are you looking to integrate that into some kind of warehouse management software too? That is, that will be my okay. warehouse management software. Okay, awesome. I mean, that's really the next next level, right? Do you think? And I think you alluded to this earlier. Do you think that that's going to be the big differentiator in 2018? I think you said that, but I want you to say it again. Oh yeah, I think so. I think that. <clears throat> Amazon has become uh, like the post office, so big and so huge that they can't just handle it. It's just too huge. It's like it's like the entire population of the United States. It's just you can't make enough warehouses. You just can't do it. And so they're uh, they're, they're trying to push the the uh, the whole mat warehousing and shipping function where possible to the sellers um, between you know, between seller for Philip Prime or even just MFN because it's just too much stuff and the fees are, are, are just too expensive. Um, I used to say a year ago, you can never ship non-media uh, anywhere near as uh, the price Amazon charges, but that's changed uh, you know, with the new fees coming up. And also, if, if you do you know, small, small items, uh, like we're doing some you know, items less than a pound, uh, you, you can beat the pricing that Amazon 
uh, is charging you. Um, yeah, so we're doing, we, I didn't mention this, that at our height on books, we were probably doing like a Christmas time, maybe 12, 1500 orders per day. And oh my gosh. there were two, two years in a row I had to close the store down during Christmas because we had, we had maybe two up 2000 or 2500 orders on a Monday you know, from the weekend. This we was for you to MF? Yeah. Oh my God! So we 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 didn't have any of that automated. Uh, and now I see this amazing automated uh, physically creating boxes or or uh, and uh, printing the labels and the packing list and dumping them in all together. Uh, you know, maybe it existed, but it was probably hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now I actually see, you know, twenty thirty thousand dollars systems. Uh, you can look at them, have fun on YouTube looking at them, and that's the cost of one employee almost. But yeah, so yeah. we. We did that, and then we, we tried to shift um, to you know to as much as possible FBA, which is easier, you know, not having to wear manage uh, inventory in the warehouse and manage people, you know, because I was getting so large, and the demands of you know, having to ship it in one or two days, you know, was too great. It didn't leave much room for error, and a lot of unreliable employees. Uh, that. Well, but what happens though is, isn't it stuff become unprofitable? The stuff that you had this, I mean, we're back to this where you had plans, you didn't build that in, that once you add humans and then they like life happens to them, so they become unreliable, right? That's all factors. I mean, aren't we back to, to be competitive? It really comes back to a discipline issue. I mean, when you were describing, as you were sitting there talking about, hey, we ship a lot of stuff under a pound and that's all well thought out. That's discipline. So when you're buying now, where in the past you might have been like, yeah, because times are good, you know, if, you know, everybody gets a little bit not cocky to just loose, you know, things loosen up. You'd buy anything. It was a good deal. I can make money at that. Well, now it's like, huh, yeah, but hassle, possible control. Like the post office is getting ready to raise prices now, right? I just saw that again. They're getting ready to raise prices again, and so. Those things are influencing. So if you get back to that discipline level, to me, that's going to be the biggest decision in 2018 is discipline. I think that's the thing. You know, the guys who didn't buy the hot toys for long because they knew that the price was going to tank um, are the ones who probably made the most money. Yeah, you're 100% right. The discipline, and I guess you're right. I'm, I am becoming disciplined because yeah, we buy, we look at, I look at to see, you know, the... the Logistics of the shipping. That's the other thing for 2018. It's not, it's not new, but besides self-fulfilling, in effect, um, the, the, your logistics fees are going to determine eventually, if not in 18, in 19, or 20, uh, whether you're going to be profitable or not. And obviously the gold standard is, if you can, manufacture to Amazon. And if not, manufacture free shipping to you, and then we ship. Uh, this is... This is an amazing uh, um, possibility. We, we, we've been shipping for the past year or two, you know, full truckloads. It's one of the, the synergies with having FBA prep clients so we can combine our pallets. And Ooh. I loaded a truck, actually, because it was 6 o'clock at night, on Friday night, this past Friday. I did it myself by hand, which was faster than using a forklift. I just pallet jacked it in. At 6, 6 p.m. Friday, the truck left. Saturday, <clears throat> appointment, noon, merchandise for sale. 
low. Unbelievable. Add an unbelievable low cost of shipping. Now, you had labor and you had all the rest of that jazz, but cost per pound, oh. uh, you know, I, I use this example. So I'm only, you know, 30, 40 minutes away from uh, AVP, which is a Hazleton. So my cost per pound is 25 to 30 cents. If I have to send to California, it's a buck and change for a pound. Yeah. So, and then when you see people selling, sending it in for what six to eight cents a pound? Oh yeah, we, ours uh, that, that Friday shipment might have been. Uh, I'm trying to think. It was uh, came out to four cents a pound. Four. Now you're just rubbing it in. That's just mean, dude. Well, no, no, you're making that's me... the last rubbing. When I ship, my best selling item is, is sent direct to the manufacturer to uh, to Amazon, and so that's a zero per pound. It's well, it's, it's sent a hundred miles. And so it costs, uh, no, I have to pay for that. It's not free shit. Okay. It's, okay. Uh, I forgot what it was, uh, 1.4 cents or something uh, a pound. So, you know, I want to, I mean, we're, we're at the point where I want to close with these points because I think the key when you listen to, I hope people that listen to this and they listen to that first part and they say, okay, I can see some of that in myself. And then, okay, it didn't go so well. Okay. And then we start over again and, then all of a sudden we start to see some of those same things come back out again. Those external influences that we didn't plan for, that we weren't considering. They, but you're not at that point where they, because you've been so conservative and risk averse, these aren't, um, what does Dave Ramsey call them? Um, death decision. I mean, everything, you know, it, you know, you're betting it all on seven, right? These aren't, that's the reason you're able to survive and pivot again. And to me, as I'm sitting here listening to this, when you hear that Barry has shipped in merchandise at 1.4 cents per pound, and Steve has sent the same merchandise probably, because I was selling shoes too, and I sent him at $1.20 per pound, who has the big competitive advantage? Well, Barry, right? And Barry's big, but he's not that big. There are much bigger sellers than Barry that have even more competitive advantages, right? So the only thing us smaller sellers can do is to be more disciplined, be more focused. And so I want to bring us down to that, Barry, because to me, you know, I know you're saying you're not, but I'm hearing it, dude. You you have figured a whole bunch of things out. Are, are they almost like absolutes now for you? Well, nothing. No, nothing's ever. For now. I mean, for now. I mean, because I get it. You're going to be one of that wild card. But for now, are they kind of absolutes? Um. Yeah, I would say. Uh, um, I have to add to your, you know, I have to go back to my economist. On the other hand, uh, <laughs> a, a seller, smaller seller should not be discouraged by having to ship like Steve does, uh, you know, a 50 cents a pound, a dollar a pound, because don't forget, they don't have my employee overhead. Oh, yeah. $17,000 a month rent. <laughs> That's fair. That's very well. And back to my example, the same guy who has the same size warehouse who's spending $5,000 more a month and he's a big, not that much bigger. And so that's fair. That's, those are factors. You're right. That's, that's very yeah, fair. So smaller, another seller, smaller, first of all, you never, you, you go crazy comparing yourself to other people. Uh, but a smaller seller, you look, you look at what you're doing and you look at other people for, for, uh, uh, ideas, not, to, not to copy exactly and not to be jealous and kill yourself, um, you look and say, okay, I have to, you know, I'm shipping, you know, UPS, whatever, and then you work on ways to um, um, minimize your costs and maximize your profits. 
It's the discipline issue again. What you were describing about, you know, doing your own fulfillment, if if you can weather these price increases because you're focusing on what you're selling and making sure they're still profitable. To me, that's a powerful, powerful thing. And I think you spend the time on that. That's much more useful than just going out and, you know, getting more space or getting bigger space and stuff like that. Hmm. That's so here's my, All right. my last Go ahead. tip uh, that you like. Um, I said before. To be successful, you have to uh, plan and avoid the death by a thousand cuts. You have to solve the things like Liron did um, with uh, having someone sell unset, you know, unfulfillable items um, or you know, overstock, whatever. You have to have uh, your Karen Locker sponsor type of thing. And how many how many thousands of cuts? Amazon's losing things. Amazon's refunding things. Uh, I found in my uh, uh, chargebacks where I had a, uh, a $50 order and I got hit with a $100, $100 chargeback because they hit me for the rest of someone's order on a chargeback. Hmm. It wasn't my merchandise, but they, and they, you know, actually I'm still fighting with them about that. So a thousand things. I mean, uh, shipments you send in, that, that are, they short, short change you. It's a thousand different things. It's a death by a thousand cuts. The things you brought in you can't sell and it's sitting inside of your warehouse. So those thousand things add up over time. You, you, we see very often, you know, in the Facebook groups, people are, you know, doing fantastic. They just started, or they're, uh, you know, the second year. Everybody, everybody tells the good stuff. Well, exactly. But also, a, 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 rap, a hockey stick growing type of uh, company, um, the growth masks the problems, and eventually right. uh, they can come back. So it's good to have the discipline and try to look at. Back to we said before, and making a list, all those little tiny things. You know what's, you know what's five dollars. Amazon sent a return back to you, and they sent uh, glass in a uh, in a uh, Tyvek envelope, and it got broken. Uh, so you have to make them pay you back for it. So if you multiply all you know thousands and tens of thousands of transactions a year like that, and and they add up, and, and the, the earlier you can make systems and employees or outside services. Uh, to handle for you, I think the more successful you'll be. I, I think that is so powerful. Those thousands of transactions, that's the difference between making a profit and not possibly. You know, what you're describing to me, I mean, I'm taking this away. This is what Steve's going to do. I love the way you describe paying attention to other people's problems and mistakes that they're talking about and seeing if they apply to you, honestly looking back and seeing if they apply to you. And then even if you just create a master list of them, and then you start when your downtime is, let me go solve some problems. And, you know, pay attention because Liron's solution, which, you know, Liron's an outlier, but Liron's solution might be the solution for you, or might not be, but it's one possible. And if you can apply that and fix a problem, check. Okay, there's 999 other problems. What is that song? 99 problems and (laughs) something's not one. But okay, there's 98 left to go. Okay, let me check that off. Let me check that off. I think that's so powerful. I've not thought about it because a lot of times I do say, ooh, that is me. Or no, I don't have that one. Hey. And then maybe ego is like, oh, I'm better than you. Right, Barry? I'm better than you because I don't have that problem. And yet, you know, I've got 99 other problems. Nobody, you're not better than anyone. The one thing I, I... uh, Facebook is the most amazing thing to me because I, you know, I get access to people's honest story, hopefully honest stories and, and questions. And I learn, I, I must learn 90% of what I know um, about e-commerce from, from uh, Facebook. 
And, I've, you know, in the past I may have said, oh, so-and-so, you know, they don't know what they're doing or uh, they, they can't know. And those people are like blowing 10 times past me now. So mm-hmm. nobody, yeah. you're not better than anybody. Not you, Stephen, but Barry's not. Um, and Stephen isn't either. And Facebook is, you know, a place to learn. And we'll close off if you want them on this. I remember when a Facebook was a book that you got at the first, when we were freshmen at, at Penn, you got a book of everyone's picture. That was, that was the Facebook. And that's what that was the Facebook did at Harvard. He took that and, and, uh, you know, made it into a most incredible tool there is. Unbelievable. All right. Somebody has more information or they have questions they want to follow up. Um, I'll put your Facebook contact in if that's okay. Sure. Is that the best way they can get in touch with you? Um, yeah, well, I guess they can always mail at Barry at treebeardbooks.com. Okay. Barry at treebeardbooks.com. Dude, I mean, I know this is long, and I'm sorry to make it so painful, but I think there's this is such a great way to start the new year because it's, A, it's inspiring. I mean, that stuff, that talk of all that stuff, I go back to the pain of how hard it was to do things, but hence the reason that these things, that I think you're able to adapt so quickly to so many new things because you've been through that pain. And to me, that's a badge of courage, but it's also a skill set that you've learned and mastered. You went to that school of uh, e-commerce for a whole lifetime. And I'm also so inspired for the personal reflection, the ability to admit that you made some mistakes and uh, now you don't make fatal mistakes. That was the term that I was looking for before, fatal mistakes, as Dave Ramsey would call them, because you have that uh, risk built in, that that factor. And I think that's a powerful lesson for people to build in. So, man, I, I really appreciate it. And I, I wish you nothing but success, man. Thank you so much. Thanks to you too. Don't forget, you are. Thank you for taking the time. And remember the, the first thing I said to you when I met you. Can you remember that? Uh, were we in Vegas where we met originally the first time, or is it Philly? I don't remember. No, it wasn't Philly. It was Vegas. You did not know whether it was a compliment or not. It was. Oh, I do remember. We were at a dinner, and you mentioned Howard Stern. Yes, you are the e-commerce whisperer. You are the Howard Stern of e-commerce interviews he is I do the greatest interviewer uh on the radio we'll say and you are the equivalent in, in this market well, that's very kind of you <laughs> way not to serve but thank you man i wish you nothing but success barry thank you so much uh, 2018 is going to be incredible i can't wait for an update to come back and uh talk about what went right and what didn't go right because not everything's going to go right but barry's smart enough to know that and to me that's the powerful thing Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you. Okay. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. I know it was long, um, but a thank you, Barry, for giving us that much uh, time and effort and energy because you really want to help people. You don't want to see them make the same mistakes you did. But I hope there's a lot of lessons in there. This is 2018. This is a chance to redo, a chance to reboot, a chance to adjust. If you had an incredible year, that's awesome. Make some adjustments to make it another incredible year. If you didn't do so well or if you're struggling, own up to it. I'm I'm loving the fact of making a list of all the things that I hear people saying went wrong and they're complaining about. And then I'm going to check to see what is happening in our business with those very same things. 
And then guess what? I'm going to build a plan to work around him, solve the problem as he describes what Liron was able to do. And I just think that's a good, good, good place to start. It's the plan now. In his case, Barry's not writing it down, but he is going to be disciplined this year. Well, if you don't have a plan, put one down today. Even if it's just like, hey, I want to get these six or seven things done this year. And then figure out, break them down into smaller bites and start knocking them down and knocking them back. And I just think that's such a smart way to look at your business, smart way to run your business, and you can have an incredible year. EcommerceMomentum.com, EcommerceMomentum.com. You heard him mention Karen Locker in this episode. She's one of my sponsors, and she's just doing such a great job for us and in Barry's world, too. Um, And... I just think that she has so much to offer. I endorse her. But then again, remember, I pay for the service. I pay the same price you do. She does pay me, but I still have to pay for it myself. And the reason I have is because she's just done such a great job for us. She is one of my team members. She is absolutely on our team. Her whole team is, and we're very lucky to have her. So solutions4ecommerce.com, solutions4ecommerce.com forward slash momentum is going to save you 50 bucks and it 50 bucks is a lot of money 50 bucks a month that's going to save you um in perpetuity and here's the good news she'll do that inventory health report i keep talking about long-term service charges are coming it's like that winter is coming they are coming so guess what have her take a look at your inventory get that off your list ecommercemomentum.com take care Thanks for listening to the e-commerce momentum podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.